We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artestis jumped over the scorer's table. Artestis in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is Friday, March 20th. Nick Whalen back with Alex Barutha. Alex, no Shannon, no Ken on this Friday. Uh, you and I are, are back for, I guess, technically our third episode of the week. We did, we did a long one uh, on Wednesday, ended up chopping that into two parts. So thank you to those who who stuck it out and listened to both of those. But we are back again, uh, kind of trying to, to manufacture as much content as we can uh, during the shutdown. So we actually do have a decent amount uh, to get to today. Uh, there's a useful article from Bobby Marks at ESPN earlier this week that that kind of talked about the potential cap implications of what a suspended or a shortened season would mean a lot of interesting points there and then we heard from adam silver yesterday there was talk of potentially an nba charity game uh we'll get into how this could affect the draft and and that whole kind of off-season schedule um and then at the end we'll we'll rank our top 15 players in the nba um with, with a few parameters that we'll get to later but first and foremost you were uh, communicating with me uh, via Slack earlier this morning, um, and we were talking about just grocery shopping, you know, just just guy stuff. And you mentioned that you needed to go to a specific grocery store. We'll, we'll give a shout out to Metcalf's, uh, which I noted is the best grocery store in terms of the quality of their bags. Um, just unbreakable bags, like four times as thick as any other grocery store that I've been to. Um, but you noted that you have to go there specifically to get uh, one specific item. And what is that item? Uh, it's dried pineapple, uh, like, like a, a candied dehydrated pineapple with just a bunch of sugar on it. Cause I, I went to the local pick and save, which is five minutes down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm willing to take the extra and they didn't have it last week. That pick, that pick uh-huh. and save is not good though. I know which one you're talking about. The park street <laughs> one. Yeah. That one doesn't um, even have self checkouts yet. It's, uh, it was a little sparse. I loaded up on frozen pizzas at that one mostly. Yeah. And uh, but no, I have to make an extra 10, 15 minute drive to go to Metcalf's to get these pineapples, which I, I bought on a whim one day because I was like, you know, I should probably eat more fruits and vegetables. And by that, I meant I'll try these dried candied pineapples and buy some like veggie chips. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm, I'm hopelessly addicted to the pineapple snacks and it's been a week since I've had one and um, it's horrible. So are these like I'm picturing something that you would buy in like a bag at Fleet Farm, like Fleet Farm weirdly has like a lot of this stuff. 
are are these pitched as like a health food or are they more of like a candy? Um, you know, I think they're pitched as something in between. Okay. Uh, they they don't really, you know, they're in they're just kind of on this sh- unmarked shelf with a bunch of other candied products. Okay. Uh, and they come in just basically in an unmarked plastic um, uh, t- <laughs> uh, tub that's like, you know. Uh, <laughs> what, what's the brand? Is this like Acme Pineapples? No, I, I don't know if it's even a brand. It just, uh, it's just in a plastic, I, I guess box is the right word. Um, okay. Like something you might find like blueberries in. Sure. Uh, yeah. It's been rough. Okay, well. Yeah, it has been rough. I, I went grocery shopping. I actually ran into our colleague, colleague DJ uh, at the grocery oh, nice. store on Monday. I thought I stocked up. And here we are now, like three days later. I, I ate lemon pepper quinoa for dinner <laughs> last night. I was just like, well, I got nothing else to put on this. Like, just throw this lemon pepper uh, salt on there. And it was actually not that bad. Uh, bought a couple bags of beef jerky. Immediately hammered those on night one. Those are gone. Um, but it's, it's been pretty dire. I, I knocked out, like we talked about earlier this week, I basically knocked out all the shows that I wanted to catch up on. Last night, I started a new franchise on NBA 2K15. I'm not afraid to say it. Hell yeah. No, I've been doing that on, on 2K20. Who is, uh, like, what's the, you know, because in every 2K game, if you get far enough along, certain players get really good because they assign yep. them potential. Is there anyone in 2K15 that the game assumed was going to be really good that ended up not panning out you know it's funny you ask because somebody on twitter was just talking to me about this this morning uh they mentioned that one of the guys is damian inglis he you know oh Bucks draft pick who wow. yeah for some reason has yeah so i i haven't had a chance in this game specifically i actually i bought it on my aforementioned goodwill run that we talked about on the last pod so I, this is like really the first time i've actually played it i haven't gone in deep into dynasty oh. um but prior to this i had been playing nba 2k9 so this is a jump of like six years. And on that game, J.R. Smith ended up setting the NBA record for three-point percentage in a season. He shot like 58% from three for some reason. So uh, I'm, I'm yet to see so far. Um, we, I did a fantasy draft to restart the league. Um, took LeBron with the first pick. I don't know how I got the first pick. I you know, definitely didn't set myself to, to get that. Um, ended up getting Russell Westbrook for some reason in round two. He's an 88 overall. Uh, then I was able to snag Kawhi Leonard in round in round three. So that's kind of the issue with a game like this. Where, like Kawhi was like an 82, you know. So he, and like it's weird to have Kawhi on your team because you know knowing what we know now about him, uh, it's like yeah. really tempting not to just make him a 99. I'm not saying I did that, um, but like Clay Thompson too is like a 79. You know, guys who are really good now but weren't that good back then. Um, they're they're not very generous too. So like Carmelo Anthony is the second best player on the game. That's actually really interesting to go back and do it like that. We need, um, yeah. I, I'm formally requesting uh, updates on this every podcast. Um, oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, at this rate, I might be going like two or three seasons per day. You know, I, I do a lot of simming. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Uh, I have one in 2K20 that I did a fantasy draft where I, I think I created the, I, I, I create, ended up creating, I think, Ben Simmons' ideal team. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow drafted Ben Simmons and then my back, my, Backcourt slash wing is Marcus Smart, Drew Holiday, and then I have Porzingis and Brooke Lopez as my four and five. Oh, wow. Um, you just, like, I, fill out the bench with, like, random Instagram models? Uh, no. DeLon Wright, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Mark Gasol. I mean, I don't... Sure. Uh, unstoppable, honestly. Yeah. My my starting center right now is Kenyon Martin. My <laughs> team. So I've, I've really had... I, I went all in at the top, and I uh, had to... I'm kind of going, like, a rocket style ball. right now. It's like, I, I have... Ball. Ken- yeah, right. I, so I start Kenyon Martin, and then I bring in Ursan um, as as kind of like a stretch five, and then um, who's Tyler Hansborough is my my last like rotation player. I, I only play seven guys. Well, that's the way it is. See, you can't play more than eight guys. That's unnecessary. And seven's a yeah, good number. Exactly. Okay, so we got we had some people reach out and just kind of ask us, and you know, I'm sure anybody who's playing fantasy basketball has has had these thoughts. Like, what should fantasy leagues do? And, you know, it's been basically a week now since we've kind of known what situation we're in. Uh, it's, it's probably gotten a little bit more dire, I guess, over the last few days than it maybe looked this time last week. But, I mean, right now it's almost no chance um, that the full regular season is finished. And I would say a pretty slim chance that we play more than like two regular season games. That would essentially be warmups for the playoffs. So, I mean, is it fair to say that if you're if you're in a fantasy league and your commissioner hasn't really made a decision yet, I, I know the official word from like yahoo cbs espn has kind of just been like we're not gonna we're not gonna you know 
call any leagues yet. We're just going to wait to see how it plays out, which I think is the right way to go. Um, but I, I mean, is it fair to say that if you're playing in like a home league where your commissioner has that kind of power, is it fair to say that you should just end the year? I, uh, I wouldn't argue with that. I think I would, I would rather, you know, personally wait until the NBA formally comes down with something. Um, I mean, I, you know, it's, it wouldn't be that difficult and it won't be that complicated for Roto leagues. Cause just whoever's on top wins leagues with playoffs, uh, is going to get a little, you know, cause you wanted the playoffs to play out. Some people might've been gearing up their rosters for the fantasy playoffs. I guess you just pick whoever has the most fantasy points or whoever, you know, has the best Roto score or, or however you're doing it. And you don't actually do a playoffs, um, which is, I guess the most complicated part, but yeah, I, I can't really argue too much with any commissioner that that just calls it, but I personally uh, would just let it ride out until the NBA says, okay, regular season yeah. is over. Yeah, I, I just think like you can't, you really can't play any more actual games as it pertains to fantasy, right? Like you can't, you can't say like, all right, we'll just let the NBA playoffs determine how the league goes because half of the league, you know, half the players on the league's rosters won't be participating. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I agree entirely. I think from a, you know, one wrinkle I think we need to consider is, you know, if you end the league now, I think anyone who drafted Mitchell Robinson in the first three rounds, they get their money back um, if they didn't cash. And that can be paid for the person who drafted Oladipo top 80, because that definitely mm-hmm. happened in your league. Um, I think that's only the fair way to do some, you know, wealth redistribution uh, in, in fantasy leagues and just be fair to everybody. Yeah, I, I'm fully on board of that. I'm certainly guilty of the former. I was all in on Mitchell Robinson. Um, yeah, we, we've talked in the past. I think we were we were both rightfully cautious on Oladipo. Although to be fair, he had he had picked it up to some degree over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, he was so bad going into the All Star break and um, was starting to look a little bit better. But I, I still don't think he was going to return that kind of value. You know, had the rest of the season actually played out. No, I, I don't think there is any chance of that. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Okay, so let's get into that Bobby Marks uh, piece that I mentioned at the top, uh, basically kind of looking at what would happen and what will likely happen. It, it sounds like, um, for the salary cap in terms of the season being shortened and of course revenue, uh, being affected, uh, by that. So, it, you know, it, it was essentially implied year to year that the, that the cap based on projections is going to go up X amount. And a lot of player salaries are based on this. You know, when you sign an extension, it doesn't necessarily mean, all right, I'm paying you this fixed amount every single year, but it kind of becomes for some players, you're getting X percentage of the cap. So, you know, when it's reported that a deal is four years, 120 million, that's based on what the cap projections are, you know, for those future seasons. And when those are slashed, you know, because of something like this, um, you know, not only affects guys, I think Jamal Murray was somebody that, that Mark's mentioned who, whose extension was set to kick in this summer. Um, you know, guys like that who are in that position where, you know, it was signed under one impression. Um, and then, you know, it's probably going to actually materialize under another, those guys end up losing money. Um, you know, and we're still talking, you know, in, in the hundreds of millions with these guys, you know, it, it's not like it's going to bankrupt anybody, but I think the thing that really jumped out to me and, and to a lot of bucks fans is, you know, he kind of went through the scenario for Giannis where, you know, it, it's now a difference of, I think like 80 million. If he passes on the supermax, even though that supermax number would be lower because of the cap being lower, um, the deal that he could also sign with another team, you know, a non supermax, if he were to leave Milwaukee would also be lower. And you know, it's hard to kind of interpret what this exactly means for the Bucks. Um, but just seeing that figure, you know, an eighty million dollar difference in salary um is was really, really striking. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of players, you know, obviously I, I don't know exactly what you do with this, uh, because the league is just losing a ton of revenue. It just kind of is what it is. And 
Um, yeah, someone like Young is potentially, you know, earning if he were to sign the Supermax with Milwaukee, earning about thirty million less than expected. Like you mentioned, these guys are some of the richest people in the world, but that's still a huge amount of money. As a even like as a percentage of what you thought you were going to make. I mean, some of these guys, you know, I'm not saying they're all spending all their money in anticipation of this, but still a huge hit. And um, yeah, in terms of, I mean, this is also going to be. Um, this might mess some teams up from, you know, a, a roster construction standpoint because of the luxury yep. tax line, you know, that's going to take a hard dip and it's going to be harder for certain teams to dodge it in general. Um, I know the nets are a team that have a lot of money on the books, um, that are probably, you know, going to get hit really hard. And, um, there's going to be some other teams that are just going, may hit it unexpectedly. Uh, right. and I think that could result in some, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot more than ex- a lot more than usual player movement based on financial reasons because of the luxury tax, you know, and owners not wanting to pay that if their team isn't a, you know, what top six team in the NBA or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the, the biggest thing that jumped out to me from that section and, and Bobby Marks broke it down um, very nicely is, you know, I think a team that he mentioned was, was Milwaukee. You know, I think they were planning to be slightly under the projected tax. And when that line drops dramatically, you know, all of a sudden you just become a tax team and you were clearly were not planning on it. You know, you've planned a lot of these teams have planned for not only this summer, but, you know, multiple years in advance to say, all right, when the cap is at this number, we're going to be under it. I, my my guess is that the the league would do something you would think to to kind of mitigate that. You know, it, it really doesn't seem fair whatsoever, you know, based on. You know, I think you could qualify this whole situation as kind of like the act of God clause that you see in, in contracts, you know, like. There's nothing that the team or the league really did for to cause this, you know, and I, I would imagine that the league would give some sort of relief, you know, whether that means kind of manually raising the tax apron or, you know, just basically doing a one year injunction, um, because I, I think teams that that weren't planning on being in the tax and then are because of something like this, like, ultimately, that that really doesn't seem fair to to end up you know, asking owners to fork over significantly more money just after they lost a bunch of money, you know, based on the lack of games. And, you know, even going back to the China situation that put this whole thing in jeopardy well before we even knew what coronavirus was. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think any way that you can potentially flatten the impact of this, uh, I think is, is the way to go, even if it means kind of this slow, steady decline that never that doesn't recover for quite a while. I think, yeah, from a, a perspective yeah. of basically just everything you mentioned, I think flattening it's the way to go. Yeah. So you mentioned the Nets, and and one thing that that Bobby Mark says is, and I'm I'm quoting here: a decline in the tax line could cost the Nets an additional 25 million if they bring back free agent Joe Harris. The Nets' projected tax bill with a 132.7 million luxury tax would be 73.5 million significantly more than the 48.8 million tax payment if the cap rises as projected. So, I mean, you're talking big time money, you know, that could end up costing teams, even like, even the Nets, I think probably plan to be in the tax. Um, but you're still talking a difference of like $25 million there. Yeah. that a lot of those teams, you know, are going to get hurt because they just feel like they can't sign a guy who's a key rotation piece. I yeah. mean, if, if the Nets don't sign, if the Nets don't re-sign Joe Harris, obviously they get Kevin Durant. That helps. But then you're you're just ending up with like a lot of Garrett Temple potentially and um something you know, wrong know. with that? Uh you know, Garrett is a he's a fine player. Um <laughs> yeah. probably good on two K fifteen, honestly. I can and, see him uh, being, yeah, kind of like a B plus potential for no real reason. Right. <laughs> right. Um but yeah, I think this is just gonna be it, this free agency was already gonna be kind of weird because nobody really had salary cap room. And yep. there weren't that many quality free agents. I mean, someone like DeMar DeRozan might just accept his player option now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't just throw this word around by any means, but I, I think things could get, they could get a little wacky this summer. Um, and Bobby Marks notes in that article that only six teams after the trade deadline, this past trade deadline, only six teams under the the optimistic, you know, pre-coronavirus projection were projected to have, um, you know, actual spending money or, you know, really be players in free agency, the Hawks, the Hornets, the Pistons, the Heat, the Knicks and the Suns. And, you know, the Suns have the fewest or have the lowest cap space of all those teams, about 20 million. I mean, when you're talking lowering the cap pretty significantly, you know, it would be about six million dollars. You know, that's a big difference. You know, that goes if you're the Suns, that goes from, you know, being able to offer someone 20 million to being able to offer 14. We've seen I mean, we've that's a that's a huge difference for a lot of players. And 
I, I think, you know, like you said, the, it was already kind of an iffy free agency class. And it might have been a situation where you had bad teams maybe overpaying, you know, guys just because there there wasn't a Kevin Durant or a LeBron or a Anthony Davis out there. Um, but now we're in a situation where even those teams are going to be a little bit more constrained. So like you said, I, I think it means more more players picking up picking up options, you know, kind of pushing it to 2021 when hopefully everything's back on track, the cap would rise back up. Um, and I think, you know, going back to Giannis, it's interesting with him too. Like, does he does he not take the Supermax in hopes of, you know, doing all this in the summer of 2021 when when the cap is back to where we expect it to be. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's the hope that, uh, you know, next season might have a, you know, it's going to get hit pretty hard, but then the NBA might be really, like, really hyper-aggressive in trying to find new revenue streams, whether that means increased advertisements on the jerseys or on the court or just, like, really extreme measures to make sure they get this money back. I'm not really sure. Um, but I think all of that is on the table to try to get things normalized as quickly as possible for the, the 2021, uh, free agency class. So we got another piece, uh, today, uh, on ESPN that was kind of talking about the, the ramifications of the draft and that entire process, which, you know, it's kind of been pushed to the wayside. You know, I think the, the concerns have been so focused on finishing this season and, you know, just kind of making sure we get some sort of resolution or some sort of playoff structure and we've kind of forgotten, you know, like the draft is scheduled to take place on June 25th. And it sounds like that might be like around the time the NBA could even resume play. So, you know, maybe you could hold the draft as normal. I I, I don't know. I, I would imagine that they would rather just push that entire process back. Um, but you start to create issues, you know, for, for the NCAA, for example. You know, I think their date is usually like June 3rd, uh, like early, early in June. You have to make a decision if you're a prospect, if you're coming back or you're declaring and I, I think this year it's going to throw that entire process, you know, kind of for a loop. You know, not only is it going to affect the NBA, but I think it's going to affect college basketball. And I, I think those two entities are going to end up having to work together to kind of find a one-time solution. Yeah, that sounds right. Because, I mean, there are a lot, I mean, a lot of these guys are, um, they're, they're expecting to have an NBA job. Like they're expecting, you know, when I graduate or when I just leave school, I'm or I'm leaving school because I know I'll have an income of, you know, I mean, what's the top draft pick make like $10 million a year. Um, and I'm sure they, yeah, I'm sure they would be able to find work elsewhere, but you, you don't also don't want to have these, have these people, you know, out of work, uh, right out of, <laughs> right out of college when they were banking on this sort of income. Um, and you know, it's going to create issues from the scouting perspective too. And it's going to be, you know, I think the, they won't have as much of an opportunity to, to see workouts and, and stuff like yeah. that. I thought it was interesting. And this article uh, was, was from Jonathan Gavoni on ESPN. So you can, you can read that. It went up around noon on Friday. He noted that he spoke to an assistant GM who is not named uh, by the quote. But he, his, the gist of his quote was basically, look, a lot of the bad teams that, that don't scout well just you know kind of push it during the regular season. They don't watch college basketball. And then they do all their scouting during conference tournaments and March Madness. And he's saying like without that, like you don't you don't get to play catch up. You know, he said there that the quote that he used was some teams are, quote, you know, asleep at the wheel for most of the season. So, you know, obviously those teams that he's referring to, we don't we don't know who they are. We can probably guess, but they were not. You know, if, if they were asleep at the wheel all season, they were not planning for this. So there might be some teams that are just woefully behind in scouting, which I think is interesting because even if everything was normal, this was already going to be a weak, if not, or an unpredictable, if not weak draft, you know, I, I think at the very least it's unpredictable and it's considered pretty weak. And I, I think the lack of scouting, the lack of, you know, it sounds like players or teams are going to be limited as far as like flying players out for workouts, things like that. It was already going to be kind of a crazy draft. And I think this makes it like even more of a crapshoot. Yeah. I mean, you have some teams. Um, yeah. I mean, this could be really, really, I think, you know, Golden State is a team that's going to be fine. They have the lowest, lowest winner win percentage in the league, but obviously they have, they have Curry and Clay and Draymond and whatever. And, but yeah, teams like Cleveland, like, oh, like my God, um, <laughs> could potentially I think horrible. we might just see teams like teams are just going to go in with just completely blind. Like they're just going to use like the NBA draft.net rankings and that's how it's going to go. Yeah, too bad there's not like uh you know there's no college basketball 2K20 they could have just like sorted well, by uh they could have just look, used that. No, there's to sort there's by not e- there's not even a college basketball 2K12. I mean we we got to go back <laughs> more than a decade now. 
in, in other draft news, by the way, Anthony Edwards officially did declare today. I mean, that was a given. Obviously, uh, Georgia wasn't going to make the NCAA tournament anyway, so he probably would have announced this like no matter what on this date. Uh, but he's a guy. I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's a sure thing by any means, but in the context of this draft, I don't know how much Anthony Edwards you've watched. Uh, but in the concept con- context, wow, can't even talk context of this draft. I think he he's the guy that I would feel the best about if you if you're going to have limited scouting. Because if you look at if you look at mock drafts, you know, James Wiseman is up there. You have a couple other domestic players. But a lot of the guys you see in the top 10, the top 15 are international guys who theoretically teams would want, you know, would be bringing in for workouts between now and June. And, you know, without the ability to do that, I mean, it's one one thing to bring in a domestic player for a workout during this time. But I, I would imagine it's significantly more difficult to bring someone over from Spain or, you know, France uh, for a workout. So I, I think it was already going to be an international heavy draft with a lot of, mis- you know, a lot of mystery kind of around those guys. And it's going to be even harder to get info. So when you see someone like Anthony Edwards, like, yeah, he only shot 40% from the field, you know, very shaky from three, took like eight a game, shot 30%, but still 19 points, five rebounds, three assists, you know, good defender, two combined steals and blocks per game, kind of profiles as like an Oladipo, Donovan Mitchell type of player. Um, you know, I, I think you, you still feel pretty good, I guess, about taking someone like Anthony Edwards in the top three, even if you don't get as close of a look at him as you'd maybe like. Yeah, I guess that I, I guess that's true. The teams in the very, very top probably won't suffer. But those teams like, you know, five, you know, the teams like five through 15 who can really get an edge through through scouting, they are probably going to be the ones who uh, get get especially hurt. And those are going to yeah. be, you know, that could that could be teams like Detroit. That could be teams like Chicago or Charlotte, Washington, potentially, who, you know, are kind of banking on these guys to, um, you know, like to have pieces like Chicago. You know, if Chicago ended up with a fifth pick, they could really do something with that. But it kind of increases the um, (laughs) the potential they end up with with uh, I bust is a strong word, but a weaker player than they expected. Right. I think there's just going to be even more variance than we thought. Um, yes. and I, it's not, I don't think this is a year where you want to have like the eighth pick, you know, I, I just, I just think it's going to be really hard to feel confident about who you're taking at that spot. Um, tell me about this charity game proposal that we heard from Adam Silver. Yeah. So, uh, I guess the best way to, to explain quickly is, is his quote, which is, a, uh, the, he, 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 he cites the, uh, psyche of the, <laughs> of the country, um, that yeah, I love that it has. Yeah. You guys are getting really depressed. <laughs> the, the nation is depressed. We need sports. Uh, he said one of the things they're talking about, uh, and he says there are conditions in which a group of players could compete. Maybe it's for a giant fundraiser or just the collective good of the people, or you take a subset of players, and is there a protocol where they can be tested and quarantined and isolated in some way, and they could compete against one another. He also said that players are blowing up his phone asking uh like basically just like trying to play basketball and like <laughs> yo adam can we like <laughs> can i play uh can we get something like set up um and so it sounds like this is something he's strongly considering obviously we kind of talked about this last podcast the logistical nightmare of trying to set some of this stu- uh, stuff up um but i think it would be a nice opportunity you know i feel like playing only one game would that would be nice. It would be a nice distraction, but I don't know how much of a difference that would make. I feel like you would have to almost make it a, you know, you could try to do a seven game charity playoff series just so we at least have something to, um, you know, something to latch onto for a bit. Uh, and, but the, you know, obviously the, the, the more you do, the more complicated it is. Right. Exactly. And I think it, you know, it's outlined in the, in the story that, they would be taking extreme precautions and they're basically required to, to state the obvious with that stuff now. Um, but it would, you know, it would be kind of a, a subset of players that have been tested that, you know, confirm no one in the group is carrying the virus, you know, is exhibiting any symptoms. And, you know, I think it would kind of be these kind of one-off games where, you know, you're able to contain everything in there and there's really no risk of, of spreading. Um, and obviously this would create money for the NBA. You know, that's not something that Adam Silver is going to come out and, and just say in a press conference, but you know, I, I think the the implication is this would be televised in some way, and you know, I'm sure you know a cut of the profits, of course, would be would be donated to charity. But you know, at the end of the day, this is still a move for the NBA to to kind of stay in in the limelight to some degree. 
You know, I, th- I think it's yeah. been all in NFL the last week and, and rightfully so with free agency. But, um, you know, trying to recoup any kind of attention that they've lost during what would have been, you know, kind of these last few weeks, uh, you know, down to the playoff race. I love this idea personally. And I think I think it's cool that the players are the ones that are reaching out about it. You know, I think it'd be one thing if the league was really pushing it and players were maybe a little iffy or uh, a little scared about, you know, what that could mean going out in public and whatnot. Um, but I, I think this reminds me a lot of what we saw when it was player organized at the time, what we saw during the lockout, you know, where it, it seemed like every week that Chris Paul was hosting a game and LeBron and KD show up and then LeBron's hosting his own game. And, and it, it was it seemed like players were really going out of their way to just get runs in, you know, and whether whether you have a history with a guy or not, whether you have a charity in that city or not, you know, guys just wanted to play. And I think there would be an, an overwhelming amount of interest if they if they did do a series of charity games. When I was in college, I actually wrote a paper on the uh, NBA lockout mixtapes uh, for what that's worth. Um, what was the topic of the paper? Uh, I think it was, I mean, it was media related. It was a sports media class. And okay, so I ended right. up writing about how like the, you know, the, the players were kind of organizing their own leagues and, you know, that whole thing um, and how the media was covering it. But yeah, I mean, if if they can find a way, I mean, do you just quarantine these guys to the arena? You have them sleep in the box seats, you know, uh, for two weeks and you play somewhere between three and seven games um, and you have them all in the same spot. You could also test out, you know, this is, could be a good opportunity if you play enough games. You could test out different rules. You could do the Elam ending, of course. You could do no offensive goaltending, which is something I support. You could try the four point line, which I don't support. Um, you could, you, you only, you only support that cause you could dunk. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter for someone like me. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't, uh, no, the four I've point. never ever offensive goaltended. I've never been even close to committing <laughs> offensive goaltend. But, <laughs> but in the NBA, uh, in oh, the yes. NBA right. Yeah. Should, that's the FIBA rule and it works well. People seem to like right. it in FIBA. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love the FIBA rule. Um, I don't support the four point line, but the, you know, the G league is doing the experiment with. No matter where, if if you get uh, fouled on a shot and you go to the free throw line, you always take one free throw. You either take one free throw for one point if it's an and one. You take one free throw for two points if it's a two-shot foul. And then you take one free throw for three points if you get fouled on a three. So I think um, this would be a good opportunity for them to do that with actual NBA players who are you know playing at, I would assume they're not going to go 100%, you know, not trying to get hurt or anything and basically a charity game. But I think yeah. it's a good opportunity for that. Yeah, and I, I don't think they would ever use this as like a sanctioned like warm up game, but it's just just a way to kind of get guys. You, it, I mean, anybody who's played basketball, even at the high school level, you know, it's like you really can't simulate that. You know, like the, the the amount of energy that you expend in an actual game, even compared to like a, a high level scrimmage, is just not quite the same. And obviously, that's on a whole other level when you're talking about the NBA. So I, I think just getting guys together, you know, not practicing with your own team, eventually teams will. I, well, I think you know once we. Once the league is able to kind of eradicate the coronavirus from the players and coaches themselves, I, I would imagine they'll try to resume practices in in some way or another. Um, but you know, getting playing against the same guys that you've played against in practice since the summer gets pretty old, and and ultimately, I don't know how much that that really ends up benefiting you. So, you know, I think we 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 end up seeing something like this in you know hopefully in a month. That would be great. Um, but I just can't get past the idea of like how far away that sounds. Like we've gone a, we've gone one week without sports, and it has been. I think worse than I anticipated. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, Negan, like warm up games. I think once this is kind of blown over and we can like go to gyms again, like as the yeah. general public, we're going to see some of the worst pickup basketball imaginable. It's going to be, I think everyone's going to be so happy that it's going to be great. And everyone's going to be ta- being really lighthearted and not caring about air balls and stuff, but it's going to be, it's going to be a rough first like month, but, uh, it, it should yeah. be, obviously it'll be welcome. Yeah, I, I fear for our Rotowire weekly pickup games. Like the, the level of play was already extremely questionable, and this is only going to take things to another level. Um, uh, 100%. Okay, so we need to talk about the big three. We, we haven't talked about it nearly enough on this podcast over the last couple of years, but they're putting together an idea that I am fully on board for, um, and it sounds like it's, it's already in the works. They're, they're, they're in the midst of planning it right now. It was described by Ice Cube as, quote, Big Brother meets the big three. Mm-hmm. So a reality show uh, basketball tournament, I guess. It, it was not clear if they'd be using current big three players. I, I assume that's what, what will be happening. But that was not laid out uh, explicitly in the article on ESPN. Um, but it sounds like they're basically going to 
find like a mansion, let these players live there and the mansion will include a basketball court and then they'll play a three on three tournament that will be self-contained in this house. I, uh, I cannot. Um, yeah, I'm with you on this. I, I think this would be incredible television. I think that the, you know, I'm, I'm not really a reality show person, but I think the dynamic between the big three players would be absurd. Um, you know, I know the big threes, I, I don't want to say pro marijuana, but it would be interesting to see how that can, that gets factored hey, in. Is Al Harrington in the big three? <laughs> I think he is, isn't he? I, th- I think he is. And I, I saw an article. It was a it was a non sports article. Um, it, it was in like a or non sports publication that described him as marijuana magnate Al Harrington. Like that is <laughs> that is yeah that has superseded his basketball career. He's now known more for his marijuana production than he is his like fifteen year NBA career. Magnet is such a strong word for a, like a business person or like an entrepreneur. Yeah. You have to assume it's, he it's, is. Yeah. It's going well. Yeah. I mean, who would you most want to see beyond the show? I'm, look, I'm looking at rosters right now. Like every single team, there's like two guys like, oh, yeah. I mean, Gary Payton is a coach. Reggie Evans. It, no matter who, like it says they would choose 16 to 22 guys. And no matter who those guys are, it's going to be it's going to be incredible. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think of players that would have recently retired. If you can Ricky somehow Davis. get like, if you can somehow get like Tim Duncan to do this, um, I don't. I feel he's, like he, he's an yeah. NBA coach now. I guess true. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Josh Smith know, is man. in the big three. Oh, Josh Smith. Yeah, basically anyone, you know, that you either have to be still ex- very athletic or so unathletic that you just you're like old. Your old man game is, you right. know is is out of control didn't joe like joe johnson absolutely dominated this league last year that was right? and, and then he almost signed with the pistons he should have got banned you should have to be out yeah. of the MJ for at least two years before yeah so drew gooden is in the league mid-range monster yeah he uh he plays for threes company okay yeah i do i do appreciate the names of these of the big three teams they're uh, horrible I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly go back to like the um, let's see who uh, would Wade do this? Greg Monroe. Uh, Greg Monroe's like thirty, isn't he? I mean, he's not he's not playing NBA basketball, you know. I mean, he's he's no, out. True, that is true. Uh, he's playing for he's twenty. He's twenty nine. He doesn't even t- turn thirty till June. Well. He was never, I mean, he yeah. he had the athleticism of a 35-year-old yeah. the whole time. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I didn't think of them bringing in non-big three guys. It would be cool, yeah, if you could get Wade or yeah, you know, get, like, like Vince Monte, Carter. See, it's basically, Monte Ellis and David Monte Lee. Ellis. Sure. Yeah, basically just that Warriors team. <laughs> yeah. Andrew Bogut. Yeah, I, I think it would be funnier if you, not funnier, but I think, I think, I feel like there would be guys who aren't currently in the big three that would that would actually want to do this. Yeah, I think, and I, I think it would be pitched to them as a pretty big opportunity. You know, there's not a lot else going on right now. And like, I certainly would watch this. I, I have not sat down and watched a single big three event over the last couple of years, but I would make a point to watch this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I usually tune into the big three highlights. You know, they have the condensed version. Yep. <laughs> the games. I tune into those, but a, a full one. No, I think this would, this would be huge, and I think a lot of people will watch it because, you know, yeah. basically if you're if you're anyone covering sports, you're on Twitter all the time, and memes from this, which would be inevitable, would come through the timeline, and then oh yeah, what else is on? Yeah, I think I think this has the potential to be the and one mixtape tour for a new generation. I don't know, were you big into that as a kid? Yeah, dude, I, I loved. I had an and oh, one God, video yes. game, like a street ball video game for the oh. GameCube. I think it was, and they had all the mixtapes on there. That show is so good. Um, hot sauce, yep. you know. Ao uh, Escalade. Escalade's uh, the pro- passed away now, professor. right? Yeah, I think he has. Um, he was Mark he, Jackson's brother. Are you serious? Yeah, I didn't know that. Wow. I just found that out. Like, I think when he died, somebody mentioned it. Like, how is this not bigger? You know, at the time, like Mark Jackson was in the NBA when the show was airing. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that was a fantastic show. Anyway, we want to finish out uh, by doing something that I, I don't think that you and I have ever actually done this. Um, but we want to just rank our top 15 players in the NBA 
I've always, you know, anybody who covers the NBA always kind of keeps a mental list. And I think a lot of fans probably do too, but it's been a long time since I've actually written mine out. And it always proves to be a more challenging exercise than you think. You know, you start getting towards numbers like 14, 15, and you have like eight guys that you, you would instinctively want to put in that spot. Uh, so it leads to some tough calls, but we, I wouldn't say we, we came down with like a scientific approach to this at all. Um, but we, we are including guys who are currently injured. So Kyrie, Clay, um, you know, Curry, who recently came back, Kevin Durant, those guys are all eligible. And we basically want to set the parameters as you're drafting this team. These are the guys in order who you would want to win a playoff series that hypothetically begins next season when, you know, everybody is, is essentially healthy. So, you know, the, the caveat there though, is someone like Kevin Durant, you know, who we talked about off air, like, where do you rank Kevin Durant? You know, where you, is it fair to assume that he's going to come back and be Kevin Durant? Um, you kind of have to take into account, you know, what you expect, uh, perhaps diminished version of Kevin Durant to be. So, uh, with that, I will, I will let you lead it off. And do you want to give me your top three or five to start? Let's do, let's do three. Okay. Uh, so I, I went with LeBron number one, Kawhi number two, Giannis number three. And I understand the eight, you know, if we're actually talking about playoff series next year, you might have to factor LeBron's age into that. So I can see the argument for putting Kawhi number one. Um, I also flirted with putting Curry at number three over Giannis, which is something that I am still conflicted about. Um, But for now, I'm standing at LeBron, Kawhi, and Giannis because I think they're the, just from a perspective of you could drop these guys on any team, they're two-way players. LeBron, not as much anymore, but um, I, that's my three. That's my three as well in that order. Uh, I, I didn't consider anybody um, ahead of Giannis. If anything, I would have maybe put Giannis two. And I initially had Kawhi over LeBron, um, but I, you know, I couldn't do that. So I think we're in agreement there. Um, I think Curry, I think is the guy who is hurt the most by just not being in the public eye this season. You know, we've only seen him play like four and a half games. So, you know, he's just kind of inherently hurt by that. Just like LeBron would have been if we did this exercise, you know, around this time last year. Um, so, you know, there is some recency bias built in. Uh, so I have LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis. Uh, I'll give you my next three then. Number four, James Harden. Number five, Steph Curry. Number six, Anthony Davis. Okay. Um, very. Mine's very close. I went with Curry over Harden. Okay. Uh, but still Curry, Harden. And then I went with KD over AD. Um, that was also a really hard choice to make. But in my opinion, when, when KD is healthy, this top, I guess this is a top six. I think there's yeah. these guys, and then there's a hard line, and then there's a, the next group of guys. Um, Do you think I, – I, I'm not debating you on this necessarily. I, I think I might agree, but you think Anthony Davis is closer to like the Lillard, Doncic, Jokic level than he is Harden, Curry, KD? He might be he's, – he's close, but I think if I knew – if I knew KD was healthy, I don't think there's any chance I would take AD over him. I don't really. Oh no! If Katie's yeah. healthy, he's he's number two for me. Sure, yeah, but I mean, even with this Achilles injury, I don't I don't know. I mean, what is what is quote unquote healthy KD with a KD uh, with an Achilles right. injury? But um, yeah, AD for me, there's always I don't know. I mean, we kind of talked about on a I can't remember exactly if this was a podcast we talked about this on, but him as just kind of this like hyper role player. I mean, the teams that he's been on where he's been the number one guy have traditionally not gone well. And there's some like mismanagement aspects of that as well, injury situations. But I'm not I'm I'm not sold on Anthony Davis as a number one guy. And everyone else here, I am very sold. You know, the other top six, yeah. Ron, Kawhi, Giannis, Curry, Harden, uh, KD. I'm sold on all those guys as, as number one. Sure. No question. I think that's fair. Um yeah, I think Giannis is the only guy who has the same kind of physical profile as Davis. You know, like I, I think it's just it's a, inherently a little bit easier for LeBron, Kawhi, Harden, Curry, Durant to be the number one guy just because they handle the ball so much. And Davis, even though he's a good ball handler for a seven footer, you know, he's not someone you, you're going to have like bring the ball up 60 percent of the time and like initiate pick and rolls or anything like that, whereas everybody else on that list can do that. Uh, so I think I think he like you said, like nobody's calling him a role player, but he's a little bit limited in terms of his impact just because he's not, he, he's, he needs somebody to set him up more often than not, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, and whether you hold that against him or how much you hold it against him is totally fair. I, I think, um, I assume you'll have him 
you know, pretty high up one of your next couple of picks. But uh, so I went hard in Curry Davis as my four, five, six. I have Durant seven and it's totally because of the injury. Like I said, I, I hope he comes back at 100 percent and he reasserts himself as a, you know, for sure top three guy. Um, but, it, you know, there's enough risk, you know, not only not only the Achilles, but, you know, some of the injuries that he'd suffered before that. I mean, he has been. You know, I wouldn't say he's like injury prone necessarily, but he's had he's had more injuries than you'd like for someone who's, you know, that's that slender and that tall. Um, so he's somebody that you know, I'm just being cautious about throwing him at number seven. Yeah, um, A.D. is my number seven. OK, so, so we have the same top seven in just a little bit scrambled order. Yeah. Um, so my next three after that is Lillard, Doncic, Jokic. Um, I think Lillard versus Doncic is a hard call to make, but as of right now, I mean, I'm as big of a Luka Doncic fan as anybody, but I, um, I know for all NBA teams, I very, I stared at their basketball reference pages for a long time. I went to clean the class. I compared them a ton. And I think I, I would still be more confident having Lillard, who I think is actually having a better season than Doncic and, um, is, has more playoff experience. So I, I go him, but like, I think I would just yeah. take, I would rather take Doncic. And his, you know, he's just a more dynamic offensive player than Jokic, even though Jokic is one of the most unique offensive players and obviously elite. Um, but I, I I still have some concerns about his defensive versatility, um, conditioning. You know, I know, I mean, he played a lot of minutes in the, in the playoffs last year, but yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's my next three. Okay. So I, I had Durant seven, Lillard eight. Doncic nine and Paul George as my number 10. So I, I know when we did all NBA earlier this week, I had Doncic over Lillard. I do stand by that. But if we're talking just for like a one, you know, one series, uh, one off type of thing, I think I would rather have Lillard. Um, I think Doncic is a better player probably overall. Uh, but Lillard is, is that guy that I think you'd want in that specific situation. But that's really close for me. And then PG, I, I mean, this guy was second in MVP voting last year. And I, I know he's had he's been banged up. He basically has not been healthy for more than like five games in a row at any point this year. But under the circumstances of you just need him for one series, I, I would like to think he could stay healthy for that. And I mean, that, that game against the Lakers um, before the shutdown, I think, was kind of a reminder of just like how dangerous he is. You know, when, when the defense is keying in on stopping Kawhi and he can just kind of chill in the corner and you know give you six three pointers and all of a sudden he's got thirty five points. Um, he's, he's really, really, really good on both ends. And I I think just because he's been so banged up this year, that's been lost a little bit. Yeah, I maybe have under, I, I feel like maybe I underrated Paul George. I mean, I have him coming up, but, um, he's played in a lot of playoff games. He has 76 playoff games, uh, to his name. Um, but also hasn't made it out of the first round since 2013, uh, 2013, 14, I should say. Um, that's a little bit of concern. Um, you know, I, he's a, he's a guy too. I put him, I put him and AD in a similar category to where I really feel like these guys are close to being number one guys, but we haven't really seen anything that makes me really think that if Paul George is your best player, that you have a strong chance, um, at a title. But I, I agree with you. I, I think I have Paul George a little too low, but, um, that said, my next three, or I guess my next two, because I have I, I have left the last three spots relatively open. My next two are Embiid and Paul George. Um, and uh, Embiid versus Paul George, that was tough for me. Basically, the the Jokic versus Embiid versus Paul George debate was tough in my head. Um, but I feel like Embiid could dominate a playoff series in a way... I don't know if it's in a way that's different from Paul George because Paul George can also be a great two-way player, but I don't know. For some reason, if you could guarantee me that Embiid was healthy and he, you know, a, a team was built around him, not Ben Simmons mm-hmm. as his point guard, that he would be extremely dominant. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. So we have the same top 12. I had PG 10, Jokic 11, and then Joel Embiid 12. You know, with Embiid, I, I think one of the things that makes him so effective is like not, not a lot of other teams have a guy who can, who can, you know, contain him on either end, you know, whereas like other teams have wings that you can throw at Paul George. Like even teams have guys that they can throw at Kawhi or LeBron, like not many guys or not many teams have a guy that can match up with Embiid physically, you know? And, and I think he, 
he has his flaws and he's not as polished and you know maybe not as in shape as people would would like but there just aren't many guys like when he is fully on there are there's just not many guys that can physically stay in front of him and physically keep up with him and i think that's a huge advantage when they when they use it to their advantage and you know obviously we've kind of seen them get away from that um you know based on the the guys on that roster but i think as a singular player uh joel Embiid is, is certainly in that top 12 yeah um the next three so there's three spots left and I had a really hard time and I basically just listed a ton of players out who I'm going to run by you as I think guys who. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I took all... my list to 26 guys. So yeah, I we're prepared here. I'm pretty close. So I have Gobert, Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul, Carl Anthony Towns, Clay Thompson, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum. And then I think Westbrook is close, but I kind of put him in that question mark section along with like Kyrie, yeah. Trey Young. Um, I, I feel like I'm snubbing Gobert by not having him as a lock, but I just feel like he's not that he's like not dynamic enough for me to where I would want him to be, you know, like my, the the key to my team, if that makes sense in the playoffs. Um, that kind of makes me lean to build around. Yeah. That kind of makes me lean more toward the Jimmy Butler, CP three, Jason Tatum combo. If I, you know, my gut feeling, but I also feel like I'm snubbing Ben Simmons in a way. Um, I don't know. What do you think? So I went, I went Carl Towns at 13 and I, I know that's probably a little too high. Like his stock really could be lower. Um, but you know, we, we have to remember, you know, we're not talking like team context at all. You know, like if you're, if you're just starting this team and you have the 13th pick, like I think I would want Towns and I know he hasn't really proven that he's a winning player by any means. Um, but, but the offensive numbers are, you know, really nothing short of transcendent, uh, for his size and for his age. So I have, I have him at 13, I have Bradley Beal at 14 and I, I know people again are, are down on Beal. Wasn't an all-star this year, but he's averaging 30 a game, um, on a terrible team in a terrible situation. I think he's become really underrated. Uh, and then I have Westbrook as my 15th guy, but I don't feel great about that. I mean, everybody from like 15 to 23 on my list, you could make a case for, so I have like Kyrie Irving is right there. Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum. Uh, and then I finished out with Chris Middleton and Rudy Gobert. And I, I have one guy that, that we'll get to at the end who I, I think is kind of an interesting discussion point. Um, but any of those names that I mentioned, do you, do you feel like they deserve to be in over Towns, Beal, Westbrook? Who is your, who is your 14 again? I missed it. Beal. Beal. Okay. Um, Man, I agree with you on Towns uh, in a in a pretty significant way. I um, he is insane. He's going he's going to the Hall of Fame. I don't. I, there are going to be some people who think that's crazy. I, it's not even remotely crazy. There are some guys you just know. His offensive numbers are, un, like you mentioned, unlike anything we've ever seen um, for a for a seven footer um, in terms of shooting efficiency, basically. And he's become a way. He's become a pretty good passer over the past two three years. Um. I don't really have any hard disagreements with you. Uh, I think that Beal Westbrook is tough. I think I think there would be a case for uh, some people are going to want CP3 over Russell Westbrook, and some people are going to prefer CP3 sure. over like Bradley Beal. I think veteran, you know, leadership, his passing ability, his ability to control an offense. I think he gets a bump, um, and I also think Jason Tatum could sneak him over. I think Tatum could sneak as far, basically bump up against Embiid on your list sure. and on my list as well. Um, I would feel pretty bad putting him over Paul George. I don't think I would do that. And I think I have Paul oh, George too that. low anyway. I would, I'm, I'm considering moving Paul George up like uh, ahead of Doncic, but sure. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's, uh, I think, I think your list is very defensible. Okay. So I put together a couple other sections. So my 26 on my list and, I, I don't know if I would actually rank him here. Could be higher, could be lower. Where would you put Zion? Yeah, I thought about that. Um, and I think, I don't think there's anybody, basically everyone I listed, I would not take Zion over him. Um, and that includes my my uh, no, my uh, honorable mention section of Kyrie, Trey Young, Siakam, Devin Booker, Brandon Ingram, Bradley Beal, Donovan Mitchell. I think I would rather have all those guys over Zion. Mm. I, I I don't know. Yeah, it, there there comes a point where you have to start debating it. You know, like 
Zion I, versus like Kemba Walker or like I, I think there's an argument that and, it, and part of it, too, is like what team is around him, you know, but I think like Zion versus Trey Young is is interesting at the very least. You know, if you're worried about defense, not, you know, not that Zion has been exactly a lockdown defender, but I mean, getting that scoring efficiency, that that kind of explosion is, is worth something at some point. Yeah, I, I think. I, I, I think I agree with you that like all the names that we that we named as like definitive contenders for this top 15, he probably doesn't jump. Um, and of course, if we're talking like who would you rather have for the next five years, he might jump into the top three or five. Yeah, I mean, my concern is, I mean, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the numbers say that Zion, the the the, the Pelicans play good defense when he's on the court, but like the eye test, I think he's a horrible defender right now. Like I really think he's bad. Yeah, well, and the so numbers I, say it too. Yeah, I mean, as far as like, I mean, I'm talking like on off court stuff, yeah, like, you know, cleaning the glass type stuff. But e- either way, I mean, like, I think you, I think you have to compare him to other basically one way players because that's how I view him right now. I view him as a pretty, he's basically a top level offensive player. So I think I put, I think putting him in that group with like you mentioned Kemba Walker, I think that's a good comparison. I, Kemba Walker, not a good defender. Trey Young, not a good defender. So I think he he falls into that category of guys right now. Um, but I think if you extended a list out to the top 30, uh, then he would very much be in contention for that, yep. that, for that 30 spot. So here, here are some names that I have who I think would be kind of in his category right now and no order. Sabonis, Vucevic, Kemba, Trey Young, Kyle Lowry, Zach Levine, Brandon Ingram, Donovan Mitchell, Pascal Siakam, Kristaps Porzingis, uh, D'Angelo Russell and Jamal Murray. That's a good list. It's it's definitely hard to pick. Um, yeah, that that's like a cluster of guys who you. It's hard to really pick one over the other. That's like a team construction thing. You know, it's hard yeah. to definitively say, in my opinion, that one of those guys is way better than the other. And this is you know a lot of teams in the league. Uh, this is why so much of the league is is roster construction. There's gonna be right. a team where if you had Sabonis on it, you might go to the NBA Finals. But if you put you know, D'Angelo Russell on that team or Porzingis on that team, it may not make it out of the second round or whatever, just based on who else you have. But yeah, uh, I think he's in that tier. I think he's he's in that tier or at the back of that tier. Uh, it's hard yeah. to imagine too many guys uh, not in this list that we've been discussing over Zion. So Siakam, Porzingis, and Mitchell in particular are the guys who I think, like going into the year, I would have said would for sure be on this list and. You know, we, we could do a whole separate podcast on Mitchell, but he's basically been like the same guy for three years now. And, you know, obviously a very effective player, arguably the best player on a top five team in the West. That's great. But I, I don't think he's quite progressed maybe to the level that we thought so far based on just how good he was as a rookie. And maybe he just set the bar too high in year one. And that's, you know, that's just kind of more more or less who he is. Siakam, I think if we had done this in like mid-December, Siakam might have been like number eight for me. I mean, he was on fire to start this year. And then he got hurt and, you know, just kind of hasn't quite been the same guy. Um, and I think Porzingis, I've always maintained that Porzingis is a guy who uh, his reputation has kind of exceeded his actual production. You know, even if you look back to his, his peak days in New York. Um, but I, I think those three guys, ideally, you, you probably classify as being in a tier or two higher than we're actually talking about them. Yeah, I agree. The Donovan Mitchell, I thought Donovan Mitchell was going to be incredible. He was having, you know, I... His rookie year was basically on par with Dwayne Wade's rookie year, if not better than Dwayne Wade's. Yeah, rookie I think it was. Be- I think it was better than Wade's rookie year. Yeah, I think so. And he, the thing is, he's an older rookie, so he's he's twenty three and a half or not. He was an older rookie. He's twenty three and a half right now already, mm-hmm. uh, which feels like you know he, Embar- I, how I, embarrassing. How yeah, dude, he, he's a disgrace. But yeah. surprisingly, uh, his his net rating right now is point differential when he's on the court. The the Jazz are two points worse when he's on the court, and there's going to be weird anomalous years where certain guys just their on off numbers aren't as good. But that's not a good sign. Um, and I think he's a really good player, but I would not even entertain the idea of putting him in the top fifteen. I don't even think it's a discussion. Yeah, yeah very good player. Um, and yeah, I th- I think like the the lack of development, quote unquote, you know, kind of does hurt him a little bit. I know he was an all-star for the first time this year, but even if you look at like the per 100 stuff, the advanced stuff, like it's uncanny how similar years one, two, and three are for him. Like it's almost identical in every category, which is kind of tough to do. Um, and like you said, a little bit of an older rookie, you know, he came in at, at 20. Um, and I, I think he eventually makes that next step. Um, it just, just hasn't happened quite as quickly as we maybe thought. Yeah, I, I think he's kind of a, 
you know, if you're talking about like what it takes to win the title, I think he's kind of a number. He might be a number three guy right now, masquerading as a number two guy. And if you're talking offensively, he, well, if you're talking offensively, you know, he's kind of acting as their number one, their point of attack. Yeah, right. I think if anything, he's a number two masquerading as a number one. Uh, sure. Yeah, that works too. I think uh, I think if if he's on a team with Kevin Durant, he can be your second best player. If he's on a team with Giannis or Kawhi, like he can easily be your second best player. If he's on a team with somebody who's number like twenty four on our list, like Rudy Gobert, then it becomes a little dicey. I agree. Like if you replaced uh, if you replaced like Chris Middleton with Donovan Mitchell, or yeah. yeah. Basically, that kind of a that kind of a thing. I think that would make. I even think like if you replaced uh, like Jamal Murray with Donovan Mitchell, like that. I think that takes the Nuggets up like another half step. Yeah, I think that's yeah that that's fair to say. Yeah. So I have I made another list of like guys who, based on their name or based on their like where they were a couple years ago, you would think would maybe be on here. Uh, And this this is just titled names I didn't even consider: Demar Derozan, Draymond Green. Blake Griffin, Victor Oladipo, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins. All guys who, if we made this list within the last, like, three to four years, are on there somewhere. Dude, I feel so bad about Cousins, man. Um, He's so good. Like, I know it didn't always contribute to winning, blah, blah, blah. It sucks to not see him play. Uh, It sucks what's happened to his career. Uh, But, yeah, I I think Oladipo has the best chance of getting back into that group of consideration, uh, you know, once he's healthy. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, DeRozan, I'm completely out on him. Um, I think you have to have him on ball, and he's not a good defender. So there's the amount of teams that he he makes sense with. Pretty low. I've been trying to trade him to the Magic. I've been calling John Hammond, uh, trying to get and, and R.C. Buford trying to get that done. Um, but, yeah, and, and, and Griffin, obviously his career with the injuries, that sucks. I'm Ever since Griffin came into the league, he's one of my favorite players, so that's just really unfortunate. Um who is your other guy? I get one more guy. Uh, DeRozan, Draymond, Blake, Oladipo, oh, Wall, Cousins. Oh yeah, Draymond and Wall. Um, yeah, man. I was John so in on Draymond this year, and this, this has been a weird year. Like, I don't, I don't. It's hard to tell like how hurt he actually is. He's just like missing swaths of games with these like mysterious nagging injuries. Like, I hope he's just kind of packing it in and reducing his workload and coming back strong next year. But it's just been a weird year for him. Like, he's, I just feel like I haven't heard one thing about Draymond all season. Yeah, because I, I mean, I don't think um, Draymond's not. I don't even think Draymond is a question for an. I mean, Draymond can't be your number two guy, which is basically how he was like acting for a lot of the year, or is no, the best guy in the team, I guess, at points. Um, so he's he's like a three or a four, and I don't know. I, I think he, I think he's a guy that struggles with a good team around him, and then. You know, John Wall, I remember the the NBA was airing a bunch of old All-Star game highlights in a row, and I remember seeing John Wall in one, and I was like, oh, yeah, like John Wall, All-Star. Yeah, uh, he hasn't played forever. No, it's been a really long time, and I think he's I think he's really good. I think, you know, I, he's a guy where I still think if you could put him, you know, if you get him in the right team context, I think, you know, he's he can really succeed, but with the injuries... Yep. I'm I'm worried about him. Like I'm worried about. I'm not super worried about KD, but um, a little worried about Wall. Yeah, I mean Wall had a five-year span before the injuries really started to get him. Where I mean he was averaging 20 points, 10 assists, four and a half rebounds, two steals, 0.7 blocks. Uh, you know, never was a great three-point shooter, but hovered around 35%, and then was shooting like 44 from the field. I mean he was very firmly in the best point guard in the league discussion. Um, and, uh, you know, his best years coincided with Curry's rise. So, like, I don't, I don't think John Wall ever actually held that title. But he, I think he was comparable to, like, a Damian Lillard type. And, and obviously, Lillard has gone to another level since Wall's been hurt. Uh, but I think, like, the last time we saw Wall healthy, it was like, would you rather have Kyrie, Wall, or Lillard? Like, that was a legitimate question. Yeah, true. And Wall, yeah, Wall's shooting, you know, not great. But he's really good at getting to the rim, really good at getting fouled, was a really strong defender. Uh, and so, you know, kind of this interesting two-way point guard that, yeah, I think is his career, his peak, uh, unfortunately he got cut really short because right now he's 29 and a half. I mean, this should have been, he should have been basically peaking right now as a player and we're, we're not going to see that. I don't think. No, I mean, the, the injuries that have compounded for him are just, you would think insurmountable, but we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think we'll see him, we'll see a diminished version of him almost certainly. And, you know, my hope is that the fact that he's taken this long off, like hopefully he comes back, you know, as healthy as possible. 
Um, you know, I, I think part of the reason that he ended up getting injured in the first place was he was playing through, you know, I think he had some like bone spurs or something in his heel that ended up, you know, resulting in a torn Achilles. And then didn't he like slip on something and end up t- like slipped in the shower and like retore the Achilles? This is so long uh, ago. I, 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 I can't even remember if this actually happened. Yeah, I think. Yeah, essentially, I think I think that's what happened. Um, yes. After yeah, he also and had, falling in his home. Yeah, I mean, he had a stretch where I mean, he he definitely played a lot of minutes. So if he was some, he if he was sort of injury prone and playing through stuff, that was going to be rough on him because yeah. from, you know, from 2013-14 to 2016-17, didn't play ever fewer than 77 games and didn't play fewer than 35.9 minutes per game. And obviously one of the most yeah. high usage players in the league, playing hard on both ends of the court. So, um, yeah, very very unfortunate. All right. I think we can wrap this up. Um, thanks again for for being willing to just you know power through these pods this week. But I'm I'm, co- I'm confident in how much content we've been able to get out of this. It hasn't felt like we've had to to struggle at any point. And I'll probably eat those words in like two weeks. But uh, <laughs> I've enjoyed these. I have as well. Yeah, let us know. Um, I mean, if anybody is is still hanging on and listening, uh, we've we've discussed doing kind of a I'll just say it, basically a blatant ripoff of the rewatchables and just rewatching uh, an NBA game and, you know, kind of going through and just talking about it. You know, I, I think so, a game from ideally like the 2008 to 2012 window where there would be kind of a whole group of players that we kind of forgot about. Uh, yeah, well, we don't want to do a game. We don't want to do one that's like super played out. You know, like I'm not we're not going to do game seven of the 2016 finals. But I also don't think we should do like a Bulls Hornets game from 2013. You know, like, I would personally think that would be a lot of fun. I don't think the we, listeners would. You know, we discussed the the 2000. We discussed the lockout season, Bobcats versus Magic game, where uh, Hugo Turkoglu got shut down by Corey Maggette. Yep, big game you know? for BJ Mullins. Huge game for BJ Mullins. Off the bench, Kemba off the bench. Unbelievable. Yeah, if you need something to watch this weekend, look up BJ Mullins high school highlights. <laughs> Absolute tank. Um, but if you have any suggestions for games like that, let us know. I mean, I, I think we'd probably lean towards maybe like a semi-memorable playoff game. Yeah. 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 yeah something like that. Maybe the maybe one of those old Heat Pacers games, like when Roy Hibbert was. Oh, at yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. That would, so we'll that would be fun. We'll come to a decision over the weekend and, you know, make sure we we do our homework. And then hopefully next week we'll have a rewatchable uh, Julian Edlow from DraftKings. Also going to hop on with us at some point next week. We're working on that. Uh, just kind of chat with him about. You know, the future of the NBA, as far as this season's concerned, you know, what this means for them at DraftKings, what it means for for betting. You know, he's a guy that's super clued in on all that. So that should be a lot of fun. But Alex, thanks again, man. And we'll be back at it next week. Sounds good. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.